I would have preferred sort of being at eye level instead of looking up to you, but uh, very appropriate. I do look up to, um, to all of you here this morning for this forum because I think it is a very important uh, forum that uh, is being addressed. It was just uh, several weeks ago as well that I was asked to do this, and partly because I had done a similar forum um, that was open to the adults, and that was part of the reason why we also invited some of you that may be in your early 20s that might not have uh, been at that forum to give you the opportunity to be here. Before we get into the forum, let's just bow our heads for a prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this camp experience that we can make here this week. We thank you for bringing us all together and especially for bringing all of these young people here for this hour that we're going to spend together and just chair about the important topic of counseling those that are seeking their salvation, especially their friends, their peers, and in particular for the experience of that during this week here at camp when they will have opportunities to be engaging those that are outside your fold. We pray, Father, that our time together would be worthwhile and that as we share together that we could talk about those things that will be able to benefit them and equip them to be able to do this more effectively. Just ask for your presence here with us and your blessing and would invite you now to be here with us in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the topic that, uh, or the discussion, and it will hopefully be a discussion, I want to say at the outset here that I would like this to be an opportunity for all of you or any of you that would like to share some of your experiences or possibly even ask questions regarding this topic. We're talking about counseling peers, and in particular, when it has to do with the experience of becoming a Christian, one giving their life to the Lord, and the segregation that happened this morning with the teen forum this morning of the converted and unconverted was for the purpose that, that you that are converted would be able to just share together and possibly learn and, and have better tools to be able to, to reach out to those that are yet lost. The reason I said I look up to you is because I think all of you are in a unique position um, for this responsibility. Um, and perhaps instead of saying all of you, I'm going to maybe qualify that and say most of you because we're going to talk briefly about perhaps uh, some areas that might uh, not necessarily disqualify you but, but put you at a disadvantage uh, for, for tackling this responsibility. The reasons being that this experience of becoming a Christian is, I believe, in all of your lives, a very new and fresh experience. And quite often, those that are closest to having made that experience are, are better able to relate. Quite often, you know, I'm talking you know, here at camp and other places um, as part of my responsibility, which I gladly do, to lead and direct people into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ that are young, like yourselves, or even younger, sometimes very young, 
and uh, I'm trying to relate, them, relate to them and, and talk about an experience that I made 35 years ago. Not that that's irrelevant, but um, I think there is an advantage for, for those like yourselves that have made that experience more recently to be able to speak of your own experience and the feelings and the emotions and the thoughts and the, the struggles that, that you went through as well. So that's one of the reasons that I look up to you. And, and we also, and, I, and I'm speaking on behalf of, of those that have responsibilities at camp for counseling and, and for the leadership, we also look to you in, in the sense that we see you as being perhaps in the front lines of what's going on. And I'd just like to draw an analogy of, of a battle. And we know that in any battle that takes place and has for, you know, since man's history, that uh, what takes place at the front lines is often very important and very decisive to be on the, on the front lines and, and in that area of the battle. And we know that coming here to camp, there's a spiritual battle that's taking place. We have, we have God that is, that is wrestling for, for the hearts and souls of, of men and this in particular, the, the many, many teens that are here at camp this week. And at the same time, we have Satan that is going to be wrestling, um, you know, on the other hand, so to speak, and trying to prevent that from happening. And so there is a spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle that's going to be happening here. And we want to um, let you know that, that you are partly engaged in, in that process because these are your peers, these are your friends, these are your acquaintances, and quite often they are the ones, that, or you are the ones, that they will be most comfortable um, perhaps talking to initially. Uh, not always, but that's often the case. And you will be right there with them, and so want to give some practical ideas as well as to how you can do that. Another analogy that was um, pointed out to me, and I think it's a good one, and it sort of deals with emergency services. You know that you know, when an accident happens, um, you know, they call 911, and, and you know, it usually takes some time, you know, sometimes uh, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes for the you know, um, paramedics to get to the scene and, and, and start dealing with the situation. And quite often, it's, it's that time that is so critical, and it's the people that are there first on the scene, the ones that saw it happen, the ones that were right there after it happened, and are able to deliver that first aid, so to speak, to the people that are injured, that can make the difference between life and death. And so I think that, that many times, you too might sort of be in that position where when God is really convicting, especially a young person, about their lost condition, that you would be there at that time to, so, so to speak, administer the first aid, to, to be the one that would begin to, to speak to them about that experience. I like that illustration, too, because it, it does uh, sort of equate an, another point that we would like to bring home this morning, and that is that there most definitely is a need, and we want to encourage that, that um, that, that process, uh, just as in the case of, a, of an accident and, and an accident scene, that you know, once the paramedics uh, arrive, so to speak, then 
then you know we that were there to to give the first aid would step back and, and let them take over and in a spiritual sense in a practical sense in in our setting we feel and and we want to stress that and i believe that you also see the importance that uh, the those that are um, more experienced those that have the responsibilities of leadership in the church that they would also be engaged in that process and even in that you as peers, as young people, can have a very important part in, in helping to make that uh, transition. Not that you uh, necessarily hand it all off, because I think it's very important that you still remain engaged in that. Kind of the assumption here that we're making is that the counseling that you would be doing to peers would be to those whom you know and that would feel comfortable with you and hopefully that you would feel comfortable with them. So we're not asking you to do our job um, as elders or as ministers or um, even as parents, you know, to, to jump in and, and begin counseling someone that, uh, you know, is totally unfamiliar to, to you. Not that that should never happen, but uh, the purpose of this forum really is to address the way you would counsel and approach and talk to those that are familiar with you and you with them. The other assumption that needs to be made is that you as Christians, as believers, as brothers and sisters, have reached a, a level of maturity that would be appropriate. Obviously that's going to differ um, in all of your cases. Some of you are going to be more mature in your Christian walk than others. Some will be more experienced than others. And some may feel that they've just been converted and, and really they're not ready for this task and that's, that's fine and, and you should rec be able to recognize that. But more importantly, that you should be able to examine your own relationship with the Lord. I want to say that cautiously because Satan... Um, in our whole life as Christians, we'll always use that as a, as a tool against us in, in trying to point out our faults and our failures and trying to discourage us from speaking up for Christ or speaking up for, for God because of something that's going on in our lives. So we have to be careful with that. But at the same time, uh, it's very important that you are growing in your Christian walk and that you are in the word and that you are familiar with the word. And, and I can't help but point you to the scripture in Timothy where Paul is instructing Timothy as, as a young man. We don't know exactly how young he was at this time. Um, but among the things that he said to him was that he should study to show himself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, being able to understand scripture, understand the conversion experience, understand what it takes to point somebody into a relationship with Christ that, will, um, that they will understand and that they will also be able to follow through with. And at the same time, he also spoke to Timothy and, and, he, and he said to him, um, that no one should dis despise him because he's young. And, and we don't want to put anybody down because they're young, because we feel that you have an opportunity and that you have the abilities to do this. But the Bible also says, be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, 
and charity and spirit and faith and purity. And I want to challenge all of you this morning also as, as young people, as young Christians, that not only would you be equipped in the Word and in your own personal relationship with the Lord and, and seeking Him, being led by the Holy Spirit, but that you would also be an example of what a Christian is like. And that's very important if you are going to, to be an ambassador for Christ, that, that you would be representing Him in your life. And so I want to challenge you to make that really a priority in your life as well. One of the important things that, that needs to um, be emphasized as well is that when we're talking about leading somebody to Christ or helping them to establish that relationship, that this is not our work, it's not our job. It is the work of the Holy Spirit, and I want to really emphasize that to you um, this morning. And the best example that I can think of in Scripture is the example of Philip, when he was basically doing what we're talking about here this morning with the eunuch. And, you know, it, the Bible says that the Spirit told him to go into the desert, into Gaza, clearly led him in that direction, and it was for a purpose. And when he was there, then it says that, you know, there was this chariot, and the Spirit, once again, told Philip that he should go, you know, to, to the, um, the chariot. And, and we, we know the, the example there that, you know, when he got there then, he kind of had to break the ice, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. And he saw that the eunuch was reading um, you know, from the scriptures, and, and he just kind of, um, you know, started out by saying, you know, do you know what you're reading? And um, the point I'm trying to make here is that, that the Holy Spirit um, is, is crucial and very critical in this whole area as we would talk about uh, trying to counsel those that are seeking the Lord. In other words, we don't want to, to be pushing something that perhaps that person is not ready for because the Spirit hasn't been really working in them um, to that extent yet. And yet, at the same time, we want to be there that when the Spirit is working, that we can also be in tune to the Holy Spirit and help to facilitate that process for them. So before we get into some of the, the actual details and... Uh, I uh, would like to, and I, I do want to you know, try to keep an eye on the clock here and, and you know, wrap things up here on my part early enough that I can really get some feedback and, and some questions and, and some sharing happening you know, from the group uh, here as well. But in particular here in our camp setting, uh, when we're talking about peer counseling, again, you are on the front lines. And practically speaking, that may mean that you should prayerfully consider um, those whom you can engage throughout the week to befriend them, maybe making the, effort, the extra effort to not just to get to know them, but to get to know them better, and then also being with them. And perhaps instead of sitting in your cliques and in your groups as those that are converted, that you would purpose uh, and, and really do this, you know, like, purposefully in your life, or in this week rather, that you would um, seek out those that you could sit with, that especially those that you maybe 
are aware that, that have been considering this and, 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 and that you feel may be convicted so that you are there with them in, you know, when, when the Lord would be touching their hearts. It doesn't just happen in the services or in the inspiration hours. Um, you know, it can, can also happen in your classes when once again you can be in tune with the Holy Spirit and maybe just comments that are being made or observations that you see that, that somebody may be deep in thought or, or thinking about it. And again, you could go up to them the way Philip did and, and, and say, you know, you know, what do you think about what's happening? Perhaps uh, God can use that as an opportunity, a door of opportunity. Can happen in your dorms as well. Some of you, hopefully many of you are counselors um, this week gives you a unique opportunity to really be there for these young people, these teenagers that God will be calling, that, um, you, know, you know, look for the ones that are maybe sitting off to, their, uh, to the side or, or, or in their rooms and, and you know, separate and, and see if there isn't an opportunity for you as well to be um, speaking to them, to, to approach this, this subject with them. And it doesn't stop, uh, you know, when, when we leave camp here. If you have engaged somebody during the week or, or are aware of something as you get back into your home churches, once again, you have this ongoing opportunity to be uh, there to help counsel and encourage um, your peers um, in making this experience and helping, in a sense, bringing them to Christ. And, and you all remember the the illustration or the example in scripture where there were a group of, of individuals that brought one of their friends who was very sick and ill and, and there was such a crowd uh, there that they couldn't get in to see Jesus or couldn't get him to Jesus so they went up on the roof and they removed part of the roof and, and dropped him right in and in the same sense we want to encourage you as, as young believers to consider your friends and and perhaps even sometimes siblings, um, those that are here at camp, in helping to bring them to, to Christ. Sometimes uh, it's a little bit awkward, you know, when, when you're sort of at that moment when, you know, someone is, has, you know, the sermon's over, the inspiration hour is over, and you know that... Um, that they're um, thinking and possibly even convicted by what they heard or what they experienced uh, at that time. And you know that because, you know, they remain behind. You know that because they may be um, very emotional. Um, uh, and, you know, so those are the cues that, that obviously we can look, look forward, look to. But that's the you know, the opportunity for you to, to know that this is an opportunity to be able to speak to them. And what, what you will often find is, um, and perhaps even relating to your own experience, that in that moment, um, you know, that person is not always all that talkative. Uh, there may be a lot of emotion, a lot of brokenness, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit when that happens. And sometimes, especially initially, that... Uh, you know, you find just your being there, um, you know, even putting your arm around their shoulder and, and you know, just bowing your head and, and being in prayer. And I want to emphasize that as well, that, that this needs to be broached with a lot of prayer.
for the situation and, and for that person. That, that you would be there for them. But then being able to address the situation and, and try to get a conversation going with them. Asking them, you know, what they're feeling, um, you know, asking them, you know, if they feel that God has been speaking to them, and if so, you know, what has he been saying to them? Um, you know, do they, you know, feel that they, that God has been calling them, and, and just breaking the ice in, in different uh, ways like that. One of the, um, in my experience, uh, with counseling, especially here at camp and even back home, one of the experiences that I have made um, repeatedly is that when it comes down to the moment, so to speak, when God is convicting somebody and they feel, feel that conviction and, and they, you know, they are there and, and we're to talk to them, um, that even though they've grown up in a Christian family many times in a Christian home, grown up in the church, been going to church their whole life, that when it comes down to that, they somehow don't know what to do. And they don't, you know, if we ask them that, they often say, you know, well, I'm not sure, what, you know, what, what should I do? And that's what we're really there for, and that's what we want to encourage you as well, to be able to help them, to be able to um, tell them what, you know, they need to be doing and what salvation is, is all about. In addition to that, sometimes you will find that this is not the first time that they have made this experience and it's worthwhile to often explore that, to, to ask them, is this the first time that you've been convicted or have you been convicted before? You know, have they made a start in their conversion before? And, and uh, obviously if they're there, you know, for the same reason something went wrong, uh, what happened in that experience? And so those are other questions that you may find uh, necessary to, to ask just so that you can become more familiar with what's going on. I'd like to uh, take some time now and just uh, address the, the whole aspect of what we are what we are counseling and we are talking here about counseling um, for the purpose of salvation for the purpose of conversion and the the framework for for that is that we would be able to lay out the plan of salvation in such a way that we don't make it um, I'm going to be careful how I choose my words here too simple or too complicated the plan of salvation is, is, I would say, relatively simple and not complicated. But at the same time, it is not just a simple uh, raising of the hand or a, a quick decision in a, an emotional moment of, that we often experience here and, and then it's, then it's all, the, all over. And I, I bring this out because this is an area of concern that we in the leadership have, that we um, not only traditionally have believed and, and practiced that we don't um, sort of believe in a, a, what we would call an instant conversion, as it's sometimes referred to, or uh, another, refer another way of referring to that is easy believism. In other words, uh, you know, 
just believe and you're saved. Um, and that we don't want to give that message of, you know, which we often find in the evangelical world, that you simply, you know, raise your hand and say something or say the sinner's prayer and it's, and it's, it's all complete or that you sign your name here and uh, say a prayer and it's, it's all done. Um, quite often, that teaching is coupled with the, the doctrine, which we believe is a false doctrine, of eternal security. In other words, that once you are saved, you're always saved. And, and, and so what you have then, if you put these two together, this easy believism and eternal security, it, it creates a situation where a lot of times a person may believe or feel that they have been saved and converted and there's nothing that can take that away from them. But then what follows after that is, is an experience that does not at all resemble what we believe is absolutely necessary and what the Bible teaches is necessary. And that is a born-again experience, a regeneration, becoming a new creature and becoming new in Christ. And so that's a little bit of the thinking behind that. But at the same time, there is as much danger and sometimes even more in our circles of making this process of conversion too complicated and too, um, I don't want to say too difficult, but making it um, stretch out often much longer than it really should. And I would like to just share a little bit of my own experience, kind of as a backdrop, as we just talk about a few of the elements of the conversion experience. And, you know, it, it is stretching back um, almost 35 years, or exactly 35 years for myself. But I too came under conviction, and, you know, at a service, Inspiration Hour, and, and you know, ended up talking with a, a um, um, you know, brother there, and, and things dramatically changed in my life. You know, things, some things had been happening before that, but they, there was a definite uh, turnaround point that happened right then and there in my life. And then proceeded to, to go home and, and, and really was diligent, um, you know, talking, you know, parents, uh, you know, my sister was converted at the time. Um, you know, I was relatively young, but, you know, there were some things that I needed to, to look after as far as restitutions. But, but things began to really drag on, and, and I was, was looking for peace, you know, which a lot of people are and struggle with. And, and it, was, it was going on for, for months. And, you know, when I look back, especially on my life, I realized that, that you know, everything had been done um, most importantly, everything had been done by Christ, but I didn't really fully understand that or see that. But even, you know, right to the point where I finally could accept that peace, um, it, was, it was just a recognition that, well, there is nothing else. And I'm, I'm looking or waiting or, or, you know, looking for more when there was nothing more. And was able to, to have peace and, and to be baptized. And, and, you know, as I think back, it, it was kind of an interesting thing you're all familiar with the scripture in, in Romans um, chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, therefore being justified by faith, you know, we have um, 
peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a, a key verse that all of you should know and memorize because it's so important when we're talking about conversion and salvation. Um, it wasn't until years, uh, several years after I was baptized and already a believer that that verse, which I knew, that, that, it, that I really understood what it meant. And, and I see now, and I could see then, that had I fully understood that verse um, early on in that process, even right away when I was convicted and, and made my decision to follow the Lord, I, it could have been so much easier and it could have happened so much quicker for me. And that verse is really key. And so what I'm trying to say with all of this is that, that the danger often and the experience that often happens, and maybe many of you here have made that experience, is that conversion became a lot more complicated and took a lot longer than it really needed to. And that's especially true for, for those that have grown up in Christian families, in the church, going to church and youth group their whole life, and are at a relatively young age, in their early to mid-teens. Um, as one gets older, the process sometimes does become more involved and, and, and more difficult. Not always, but that certainly can happen. So try to, to keep it simple. And the simplicity of the gospel really is that Jesus paid it all. And that's really what Romans chapter 5, 1 is teaching us, that when we come to Christ, and, and we need to encourage you know, those that we're counseling with, that, that Jesus did it all for them when he died on the cross. The acknowledgement of that has to be um, the result of, of a conviction that they feel. In other words, if the Holy Spirit isn't doing this work, there's no point or there's no value in you trying to talk them into this experience. If it's not the Holy Spirit that's convicting them, that's breaking them, that's really moving in their hearts, for you to try to push them in any way or talk them into becoming a Christian, um, I believe is very dangerous. Because if you talk somebody into becoming a Christian, Satan will just as easily talk them out of that experience. And so... What needs to be evident and what needs to be present in, in a person's life that, that really is ready to accept the Lord and to give their life to the Lord is that there is a sincere brokenness on their part in being able to really know that they are a sinner and that they are lost and that they need to be... Um, Convert it. And the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians that this type of sorrow, this type of um, um, brokenness, uh, this godly sorrow, as, as it calls it there, uh, worketh repentance. And we're talking about a true repentance, not the kind of repentance that, or, or regret that people feel in the world when they do something wrong and they get caught or, or, or it just bothers them but rather the kind of godly sorrow that will lead them to a true repentance. 
and that true repentance essentially is when they are at that point of brokenness and they know and recognize their sinfulness and they're ready to turn around. And the word repent means to turn around. And we cannot remove the, the, the concept of repentance from the conversion experience. It's not just a matter of, you know, um, a quick prayer or just accepting the Lord. There has to be a transformation that is going on in our lives and there has to be a literal turning around. And, and I, I use an analogy of, of, you know, walking away from God and, and Him representing light. And I, it's just my own personal thing um, that, I, that I use and it doesn't have to be something that you use. You can come up with your own way of, of maybe even in a creative way you know, explaining the, the gospel message. But I try to simplify it like this and say that God is light. The Bible says that. There's no darkness in him. And we know that, that his light shines, um, you know, on the world. And it even shines on those that are living and walking in sin. But when we are living that way, we are actually walking away from God with our backs towards him. And so the light we're, and we're walking in darkness because of the shadow of the sinfulness of our life uh, that it makes. But there's light around us, and that light can represent being in a Christian home, going to church, being with Christian friends, um, being here at camp. So there is light there, but still we're walking in darkness. And when we come face to face with that reality, um, however God chooses to do that through his Holy Spirit, and we are broken because we see our sinfulness and the darkness of the life that we live in, that, that godly sorrow needs to work a repentance that causes us to turn around 180 degrees. And as a person does that, all of a sudden now they, their, their life and the way it is is being illuminated um, by the light of God. And they see their sinfulness even more. Um, they recognize how undone they are before God and they recognize that they need to make that right and that, that they need to be walking towards God. And the decision um, to, to follow Christ is, in essence, that aspect of repentance when we make that about turn and turn to God and start walking towards, towards him. A question that, that may be in your minds right now and that is often raised is, well, at what point does a person become a Christian? When are they a Christian? And confusion does and can set in when we tell a person that at that moment that they have made that decision and turned around that they are a Christian, if they should you know, leave camp and, and all of a sudden... Um, their life shows that they didn't really make an 180-degree turn, that you know, maybe it was only you know, 90 degrees, or maybe they did turn 180 degrees, but you know, by the time they got home, they quickly turned another 180 degrees and were right back where they started. And, and, and they are confused about what, um, what really happened in their life. The point that I want to make here is that I don't believe it's our job ever really to, to tell a person that they are saved. 
That really is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not to say that at times we can't be counseling with them and, and, and looking at their experience and looking at what, they're, what they have gone through and giving them an assurance that based upon the word of God and the scriptures that this is what has happened, but that it is their faith and their faith alone that needs to be what confirms that for them and that once again we can't talk them into that experience. And so there is that danger of telling them, you know, while you're saved now, and, and, and the, the danger is that quite often the very necessary evidences of that conversion and also the important aspects of a true and full repentance that need to take place, and you know what they are, um, uh, come into question. Well, if I'm saved, um, why do I have to make restitutions? Why do I need to talk to my parents? Or, you know, why do I you know, need to change this or that if, I, if I'm already saved and, and it's all done? And, and yet those things are very important and a part of that um, complete conversion experience. And so there is that need not only to, to make that um, turnaround and, and in repentance, but then there are those important aspects. Number one, faith. Putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his atoning work and believing or, or, and knowing and believing that that is the only thing that will wash away our sins. It's not, you know, it's not the restitutions that we make or the confession that we make um, you know, to, to others that actually cleanses us from our sins. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ, and that needs to be emphasized over and over again. These other things are important, and they are what creates the basis for um, a solid um, beginning to, or, or the beginning, uh, the basis for a beginning of a solid and fruitful Christian life when we have really um, turned and become a new creature in Christ. There are a couple more areas that, that I'd like to address and cover, but you know, for the sake of time, and I, I don't want to sort of you know, leave not enough time to, to really um, you know, uh, maybe cover concerns and questions that you have. And so I, I want to, I think what might be best is, is right now, if we could just have some dialogue and, and if some of you would be willing to maybe even share from your own experiences of... of um, when you became Christians and what helped or what didn't help, what made it hard or what made it difficult. And even if you have questions that you would like to ask each other or myself as far as um, how to effectively counsel your peers when it comes to salvation. Yes. Please yeah, talk loud. We're trying to pick it up with the microphone here. Um, my question is, Conversion, like helping someone counsel here, seems to me a lot easier than helping them counsel when I'm at home with them and they're in my car. Um, what do you think are the first things that I should be talking to them about? What, what do you think are the key verses that I should be giving them? Is it the same ones that I was given? Or, I mean, 
Okay. Yep. I understand the question. Okay. Um, as the questions come out, I'm going to you know give uh, the audience uh, give you a, a, you know a first opportunity to to respond you know to you know to each other um, with that. So the question is, uh, um, it seems you want to know what to say here at camp or back home. Back home, because at, at camp, like I understand, it, it's very easy to see if someone is um, broken or um, if they're staying behind. But, I mean, they may leave in their conversation something, um, oh, I enjoyed the sermon. At that point, would I say, how did you enjoy that sermon? Where did it, like, how did that make you feel? Like, questions like that. Okay, are very obvious. Obviously, we're in a church camp. You know, it's, it's six days here of intensive, uh, you, know, you know, God is very present here, and, and not that he's not present elsewhere, but it's, he's working very powerfully. So the question is, back home, when you also could or should find yourself in that situation to be able to counsel a peer, um, how do you break the ice, so to speak, in that situation? I found if it was someone that I already counseled with at camp previous years, it's always, and not just that it is on my heart to approach him and say, hey, you know, I do remember about that, you know, that, that night that you talked to me, I just want to see how you, like, just let you know I'm still praying for you and let you know what else I could be praying for you about now. You know, kind of approach it in that way. That's how I found it. It kind of opened the doors for them to say, oh, yeah, because they have to kind of, they can do your accountability, too, that they think, okay, yeah, I did talk to you, you know, and I did already know something, it's not as uncomfortable for them to start talking about it again. Right. Okay. For me, I think a big thing that helps when just what to do for situations of presenting the gospel to somebody is just praying to get, because I got a conviction to, to share with somebody or to want to know how they're doing spiritually. The best thing that God's always, after I've done it, it's always at peace about what he's given me to say. It's, Asking him right there, prayer to myself, or whatever you, can, whatever you want to call it, where you're talking to God about how I have this, this conviction, this thought in mind that I should speak to this person, but in one way. I mean, I don't know their full lifestyle. I don't know what they're experiencing right now. I, mean, I don't know the whole truth. Only you can know that. What is, what should I, how should I do this? Maybe it's just going to be a prayer for the person. Maybe it's going to be a really direct question, but really inviting God to lead you in it as the conviction. Great, great comment. I think that's a really important, you know, aspect in response to that is, again, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not us, you know, cornering somebody. It's not us pushing them into um, making, you know, progress or, or, or making this step or this decision. It's, it's God, the Holy Spirit, doing it. And as Brother Caleb said here, praying that God would give us you know, the words, the, you know, the utterance and know what to say. And again, think about Philip. You know, God just told him to, to go there. He didn't tell him what to say, you know, right off the start. Um, and, you know, when he got to the chariot, you know, maybe, you know, and I'm sure that Philip must have been probably praying the whole time, you know, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to say? And, and, and it, maybe it became just obvious to him that, you know, well, he's reading the scriptures. I mean, that's an obvious question. Do you understand what you're reading? And it, I, I want to believe and do believe that it was the Holy Spirit that prompted him to say those words, and we know that you know the whole process, you know, um, you know, began or continued rather, you know, through that. Any other comments about how to sort of break the ice or, or get a conversation going? I think, as with any relationship or 
you need to really get to know the person. Like counseling isn't just like, okay, there's a list of people that I need to talk to about salvation. It's investing time in their life. Sometimes counseling means talking nothing about salvation, but just being there, being a support, or being someone they can spend time with. Counsel in, in your example, and, and show them how God is working in your life, what he's doing in your life. And for me, like a lot of times when girls don't talk, or want to open up, I share them my struggles and make myself transparent. And then that's someone who can relate to, the broken person in my life, that's when they open up. And I think spending that time, and then naturally they're gonna want to pour out their heart to you. They're gonna feel so comfortable. You're gonna be there safe even for that while. And um, so I think just building a relationship with that person, if you love them that much, and if they're around you, invest in their life, and then the gospel will be easier to hand over to them. Right. Yeah, a, a, a quote that just came to mind is, you know, people don't care what you know. Um, they want to know that you care. You know, it's not, just, uh, it's not just a matter of giving them, you know, facts and scriptures and information. They want to know that you deeply care and it's building a relationship. There was another hand up yet. Um, something that's tied to that, I think one thing that was really hard for me when I tried to transfer uh, when I was in the process of Something that really close to me that was that these um, people were, were trying to make me see that I was wrong. And I was thinking to myself, like, I know I'm wrong. I know that this is right. So at the, the idea I got from that person is um, so kind of just like a sermon to me again. Instead of them saying, you know, I have struggles too, and this is what it's like. I think it closed, closed me out just to, to think that I'm going to have struggles with this. And I think it has a lot to do with it. just, even though you are a Christian, just making sure the person knows that you're not perfect, that you have struggles too. And, um, I think that allows a lot more fun. Great, great comment. In other words, being compassionate and, and you know, really helping them to see your compassion and not just simply condemning them, you know, for their lost, uh, their lost condition. Okay. I'd like to just, uh, your comment just prompted me to, you know, maybe open it up in a minute here to the group just to also, you know, maybe um, some of you, more of you could share what, you know, what, what closed you up, what closed your, you know, your spirit or, you know, caused you to resist, um, you know, responding to God's clear call, you know, when, when that happened. But just, uh, I hope you know, these comments have somewhat answered the question. And, um, you know, I think we have to, you know, sort of look for that, you know, like prayerfully look for the opportunities and the right words to, to you know, to speak to them and believe that God will. And sometimes, and, and I've made this experience, you know, I know there's people that I've counseled with and it's been a while since, you know, they've talked to me again. And I simply, you know, will make a, a comment, uh, you know, while meeting them. You know, did you you know you want to get together again? And um, at times the answer is yes, and, and that has led to a real, you know, growth and development in, in their relationship with the Lord. And other times, you know, the the, the answer is simply a you know a rebuttal. You know, it's it's no, you know. So we're you know we shouldn't be pushing then. You know, let the Holy Spirit do do the work. Okay, does anybody else want to share a little bit about uh, you know something that um, that 
um, made it difficult for you to, to talk to, with somebody about your, your need for conversion and salvation when that happened to you. The importance of doing this, you know, is, is, you know, as we share this, share these types of things, it can help to equip us then, you know, that we would be aware of that. Yes? I think when I was going through my conversion, I always needed the assurance knowing somebody would be there for me, someone would be available. Um, and then when they did make themselves available and I spilled my heart out to them, they would follow up with me and come back to me with something that, you know, if I asked for something or some sort of assistance, that they would come back with Okay. In other words, if you make yourself vulnerable, um, you know, to that person, that uh, that there would be some type of follow-up. Maybe you know, asking how you're doing, or if you shared with them a particular experience or struggle. And and you know, when we're talking about uh, you know the conversion experience, there are struggles. You know, people struggle with restitutions. They struggle with needing to talk to their parents or or making things right. And and you know, part of that. Uh, regeneration that, that takes place in a person's life does present challenges. And, uh, you know, if they tell you about maybe, let's say, a restitution that they really need to make and, and, you know, they're just terrified of doing it, you know, how encouraging that is if you can follow up and, you know, ask them, first of all, you know, how did it go? And, uh, you know, and if they didn't do it, you know, maybe taking the time then to pray with them and, and you know, really asking God to help them. Yes, um, up there. You, yes. Um, I was going to say what you said about praying, like people to pray with you really helped really help you a lot more. And um, also, like, people believing in you, because I think when people believe in someone, when they feel like they're more confident, they know they can do it. Okay, very good. Just um, hearing the word follow up, just to, to guard again, just a, a human trait that we have is to want to just take care of something, not have to worry about it anymore, but I, it's like a continual caring that we have for the person. We won't just look for an ending of, I don't have to talk to you anymore, you're saved, you're on your own kind of thing, but as like a continuing, a continual caring, it's a follow-through, you're always checking up on how they're doing it. I, I know there's been a tendency for me to look for a follow-up to like, so I can cut off my time when I don't have to, you know, it's a selfish thing, it's a battle that I struggle with, you know, that I look for a closure in the giving up information on God. Just to make sure it's a continual care and just to ask God to help me with that. And that you have a part in that. And, you know, I just, uh, again, want to emphasize what I said early on, you know, in the talk here, that, um, you know, these are your peers, and, and, you know, quite often you're the ones that, um, that they may feel most comfortable, you know, talking with, you know, talking with the elder, talking with the minister isn't always a pleasant experience. Um, you know, some make it more um, easier than others, but it, you know, it's tough, and, and, and that's important, and you also need to be encouraging them to, to seek that and to do that, because um, <clears throat> I'll have to do it sooner or later anyways, um, you know, if they want to be baptized, <clears throat> excuse me, but uh, so you could also help in that process, but, you know, to be, again, with them through the experience and, and not necessarily holding their hands, you know, um, doing it for them, but, you know, being alongside them for that experience, Amy. I think that's one of the biggest struggles at camp, um, because you guys always encourage us to bring them to a minister and are an elder, and there's been so many times, I'm like, no, 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 don't bring me an elder or a minister. And, <laughs> like, I mean, are we, is that what we're supposed to do? Like, like they don't, 
I mean, I didn't feel comfortable talking to an older guy I've never seen in my life, and he's asking me like how I feel convicted. Like I don't want to, you know. Practically speaking, I would never encourage any of you to to push that, especially even here at, at camp, and say that. Uh, you know, well, before you leave camp, you really have to talk to, you know, a minister from your church or talk to an elder that it's, that it's a must. If they're not ready for that, um, it, it, will, it will most definitely not uh, bring about a desirable result. You know, them talking to you may be at the very early stages of their conversion experience, and, and they just need some time. But at the same time, you know, encouraging them to, to um, talk to them is, is something that, uh, that is important to do. Another way, um, I don't want to say around, around this, uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming it's, it's, it's kind of tough for a young person to come up to a minister and elder and say, you know, can I talk to you? Some will do it. Um, you know, a lot will find reservations doing that. And one thing that you can do is, uh, you know, you yourself could talk to, um, you know, the the minister, the elder, you could ask them if, if you know you, they'd like you to do it. If they tell you no, don't say anything. Well, then respect that. But you know, if they say yes, that would be fine. Or don't say anything. Um, there would be nothing wrong for you to letting us know. So and so, you know, in in you know in your church or this person, uh, um, you know, talk to me. And I you know I think they're they're seeking and and they're, they want to give their life to the Lord. Um, you know, and and we will we will follow up with with something like that. At least I will. Yes. And could also say, like, in addition to that, um, our conversions don't have to be a dramatic snowball effect, and we can always remember. I mean, when we're counseling our peers, we're most of us are still teenagers ourselves, and we can remember the period of time when we were completely insecure, didn't know who we were. I mean, we had mixed emotions, and on top of that, God's calling us. So, for us to immediately, I mean, it could be intimidating to just say, "Go talk to a minister. I'm done with my work." You know, you want to build like a relationship of trust. And trust, ultimately, for someone to feel secure, to know that they have somebody there for them, that they can trust, and then you can be the middleman and say, you know, you give or put in a good word for the minister, almost. Right, to, to thank make you. That <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, no, a very, very good point. And, and basically, again, you're being alongside them and encouraging them based upon your own experience that, that, that you made. Anything else that comes to mind for some of you uh, regarding, uh, you know, what made it difficult for you to, to open up and share? I think it's that I think it's a Being honest, being open, this theme has come up a couple times here, and, and also being vulnerable then, you know, in that situation. I think one of the biggest things though is the follow-up. And if so, I know when I was converting, there was a 
my church that I've made their point sometimes. Every time they saw me, they'd be like, so what do you want to talk about? Until I would actually talk with them. And I thank God for them now that they were that persistent. Because if it had to be not been that, I wouldn't have thought maybe like that counselor that, wow, they actually care for me. Like, we feel that they, they're praying for you. Like, they're encouraging you in every way possible. Like, they call me, do you need a ride here? But to see a G or something, like, not even really giving me the option, just do you need a ride? Like, sometimes that, it's like the non-suggestive things that just kind of get you there. But it, it helps, though, for some people. Like, they, that's what they need. Everyone's different. You can obviously read a person if you're closer to them or not. But, I mean, I've just found that those are things sometimes that help. Even at home, I know like I tell some of the younger girls, and they're like, "Hey, I'll get a bunch of them to for a coffee or dinner," and I'll let the conversations go. And a lot of times, it's them opening up to me about a lot of their personal stuff that's going on. I don't even have to really ask them. It's just like to them, it's an opportunity that someone actually cares enough to spend time with them. So, and I just found that's one thing sometimes that like followed for me when I was younger. What helped? So like I'm trying to in the same way do that now with some of the younger girls that I know look to me as Okay, good point. Anybody here have sort of an opposite experience where, you know, you felt like you were being pestered and pushed? Matt? For me and a lot of other people that I know, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like a real stumbling block when people say, like, oh, some of your friends are getting baptized, why aren't you, or like, are, you gonna, are we going to see you in the next one? So it's, I don't know, kind of, it's like forcing you. So, okay, well, if I'm reading you right, what you're saying is kind of off-the-cuff statements uh, that really don't demonstrate, um, you know, a, a care or concern. So probably, you know, we've been talking a lot about showing people that we really care for them and are concerned, but if they, you know, if the only time we talk to them is, you know, when there's a baptism and, and we tell them, you know, when's, when are you going to be in, you know, that obviously doesn't show a lot of care or concern. I know, like, comments like that, it's always nice to say, oh, it's nice that you came, I'd like to see you more often. Kind of right. like, something like that. It's not, like, why aren't you in this baptism? It's kind of like, it'd be nice just to see you more often if you're not going to church a lot. Right. Okay, and the Bible talks about that, you know, that, uh, you know, that our uh, speech would be always with grace, you know, uh, um, that a word fitly spoken, you know, spoken properly for the moment. Yes. I think it's uh, also important to give them their space because there's a lot of mothers and some brothers. I'll be open. Um, whenever they've expressed like even the slightest interest in um, seeking God, like people hound on them like, "Oh my, I heard you know you're really," and they and they it pulls them back because then they feel they have to meet the standard that they're not really prepared to meet or they don't know what they're getting into. And I think um, not not ignoring their spiritual walk, but giving them that space to let them initiate a little bit. And, you know, if they don't initiate after a while, you know, pray pray for them and approach them. But give them that space because I think they get intimidated by, now everybody knows I, I uh, profess at camp or, and then now they're expecting everybody to be on their back. And I think that's really um, turns them off. Good. Okay. Again, hammering home the importance of the Holy Spirit, you know, really motivating what we say or what we do. Yes? Well, I have a question about that because I do have friends who have, like, confessed their sins and invited Jesus into their life years ago. And I don't want to be the pestering friend and I don't want to push them to be, like, faster than what the Holy Spirit is working with. What do I need to do or say to them that would 
help them without being that kind of pushy threat. So are you talking then about a situation where somebody has made a decision, confessed their sins, and but, right, like I've, but I've they're been still with, not still I've not baptized or help them counsel through that. But it's been years and they haven't been announced. They're afraid to counsel with ministers. Like, what do I need to do without turning them away? Right. Okay. Anybody want to respond to it's a tough one? Yeah. Honestly, a whole lot of spiritual counseling with yourself, talking to God. Um, Fasting works too. I mean, it's not really common, I guess, maybe not in young people. But I've, I've talked to my dad and, and older people in my family who really testified that fasting and really focusing on God beforehand, before you, I mean, you want to ask to be made that empty vessel. To maybe sometimes just go straight forward up to them and be direct. Because you've been with them for years, you know them and say, hey, you know, what's going on. Yeah. Yes. I also think of personal Bible studies was a huge, um, huge factor in my life, um, where you just get a bunch of things and you can't grow. And it's more on just a personal basis and away kind of from the whole elder and minister and thing. And you get more personal and more, um, you can open up more. And it's actually leading to the Bible. And then I think within time, they will become comfortable in talking to you with issues or even further going into talking to the other ministers. I think that um, when you have that Bible study that's set apart from just um, church itself, um, is, is a huge factor that would, that would help. Depends on the person. Too. I know like, I have a peer that was um, more comfortable with the fact of saying that they just, they want to talk to ministers and elders, but they were scared to approach us. So I kind of asked them, well, do you mind if I let them know to come find you? And that was okay. They didn't mind if the minister came and talked to them, but they couldn't go talk to them. So it depends on the person. Like if they're at a point where they want to talk with the minister, but they're just scared to make that first step, maybe asking if you can pass it on to your home minister elder. Okay, that was a hand at the top. Yeah, and um, I, I think those are great um, items to think about and to do uh, the fasting and the, the Bible studies. But you do, you, you can't put that pressure on yourself thinking, I have to keep watering this. Um, when we plant that seed, that, that's all we really can do, I, I mean, honestly. And then um, Jesus has to take over. Yeah, we're there, we are their friends, we are their comrades, whether in school or work or anything like that. But um, being an example, I think, is the, the biggest Thing that you can do in your life. Okay. Yeah, in other words, it's not, you know, we're, I mean, we can facilitate and help the process of conversion by being there for them, but, you know, their conversion is a personal experience and they're responsible um, for it and for, for, for what happens. In a situation the way, the scenario you've sort of described where, you know, they made this experience and then basically, um, you know, it's stalled and it's, you know, taking years, you know, there's obviously, you know, some lack of understanding, there's issues there. And, you know, I, I think that's probably, you know, time where if they're really serious about their salvation that they need to be counseling with, uh, you know, with the minister or elder to find out, you know, why is this happening? Because conversion should never take years. One of the things that uh, God may lead you to do as you're prayerfully considering how to go about helping and following the conviction 
is to be alongside them if they're afraid to go to a minister who's more experienced and can help them in just things of study, that you actually go alongside them with, with them to the meeting or whatever, that they would have even that close of a comfort if they're that, um, I don't say opposed, but they're not fearful of it maybe. Give them that option for yeah, sure option, to, yeah, to yeah, actually be there. That much to be there. And, I was just going to say, um, I know you can't change what you're saying on the seat of the plan and the Holy Spirit, but you also can't ignore the Holy Spirit in your own life if he's laying on your heart um, about a certain small. Like, yes, it's you the plan in your heart, you can't change what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life, but you can't ignore the Holy Spirit if it's leading you towards the person. Absolutely. And, you know, that scripture. That certainly would not be, you know, the sense of what's been shared here, you know, this, this morning. And that same scripture not only talks about planting the seed, it also talks about watering the seed. And, that, you know, really what we're talking here a lot about is watering the seed. We've run out of time. It's like I should have started this section of the, the talk a little bit earlier. I just want to just give me a couple minutes. One, I have a, a question in my mind that I'd like to know. Um, Many years that I've been counseling, I've always been reluctant to and seldom, almost never, have asked the um, person that I'm counseling with in, the, in a seeking situation if they would like to pray. And I, I just, you know, I just want to get a, f- a feel from you that have been converted, like how, do, you know, your experiences, is that something that, that um, you know, if you were asked, did you feel comfortable with it to do it? Or, or did you, um, if you weren't asked, do you wish that, that uh, you had been asked to you pray? Like, I always will pray with them myself, but uh, um, seldom or almost never will, will ask them to pray. Any comments? I think that depends just, on the just, person. Okay. Some people have no problem with it, and some people are completely turned off by that. So, okay. It's, it's a hard thing to call. All right. I know for me when I was counseling, it was, I was at a loss of words. I think that I was like too ashamed to really talk to God. So it would have been difficult so for you. Okay, some others, that, I saw some other hands say. Um, I think for the most part, uh, when you ask, do you want to pray? And as long as they don't want to say anything you pray for them, they, people feel comfortable with that. Like they don't want to participate that right. directly. And for me, that was kind of like a nice closing or a nice, icebreaker even if you're starting because then you can sit and reflect and that person's kind of taking over a burden even though they don't know the burden but they're already immediately calling on help and I think it was more like relaxing and not to have to pray yourself not to have to pray but in and comforting that they did pray but they right yeah okay just basically the same thing everyone else said um when you're put in a position just between yourself and the person you're counseling with oftentimes it is intimidating for you to say the words because Either you're at a loss or they're all there, but you're just choking up. You don't know how to say it or don't know what to say or don't know what to So, I mean, more often than not, prayer in our hearts is the one that eventually or inevitably comes out with the person's words that's praying for us. Okay. You know, and a lot of times I can feel so much more afflicted by the Holy Spirit saying, Thank you, God, because that person spoke the words in my heart and I couldn't. Okay, good. I know one thing, like when you, especially if you're counseling with the elderly nurse, or sometimes when like, you leave the meeting like okay I hope to talk to you again that's like there's a more appropriate way that you could finish that like instead of like hey let's have a prayer because converting you don't realize the power of prayer but as a Christian you know the power of prayer right. what's more encouraging when you leave I mean that office because it's like for some people it's intimidating enough just to go in there 
but to leave knowing that they're all praying for me and they actually prayed with me there is more encouraging. I don't know if that's something that some churches do or not, but I think that is something that's more encouraging to the converting schools to they might feel and realize the power of prayer too. Okay. For me, it was more um, in the beginning. I, I didn't want to open up, I guess, and pray out loud with the minister because I, I like I said, you know, nervous. You're, you don't feel worthy, but. I counseled the same minister the whole time I was counseling, and I, the further along I got each session, you know, I think it was like the second or the third, I actually did pray out loud. You gain that confidence, you gain that relationship with someone, you get really comfortable. And I think that it's important to allow that person to get comfortable with you and to kind of stick with one or two people who you are counseling with um, and allow them to open up. That was really important for me, it's just to feel, that, to feel comfortable with that person. Well, you've kind of confirmed what I, the conviction you know, that I have, that I have had, and uh, I, I think you know, we can all learn from that as well. That I, I guess I've always felt that you know, if you kind of um, you know, force somebody to pray, it's probably not going to be a, a real sincere prayer, and they may just be saying the words that, that, you, you, know, that you want to hear. Um, but giving them the opportunity and then respecting their, you know, what they feel certainly would be appropriate. Okay, um, there are um, obviously a lot more things that we could talk, <clears throat> talk about. I, I just want to say thank you to all of you for, for sharing openly. And, uh, you know, if you have specific questions on this topic, um, you, know, um, you know, talk to each other. You know, you can certainly ask me as well. And uh, um, hopefully, you know, all of us will be better able to do this uh, effectively for the Lord. Thank you.